everyone. Welcome to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz, and this is episode three of the 2021 podcast series, getting you ready for the NFL draft. Now, look, last episode, we weren't really sure when the draft was going to happen. Would it really be the end of April, as it always has been, or because the Big Ten, Pac-12, Mountain West, and MAC conferences all decided to wait and you know postpone 2020 play and really move into the 2021 winter or possibly even the spring would the NFL potentially move the draft date to possibly May or even June, considering you have all of these draft prospects from those four conferences? Well, things have gotten a little bit clearer in just one week, and I think now it's con- you know, I can confidently say I think the NFL will go ahead and have their draft the end of April, uh, and that's because the Big Ten came out and announced that they're ready to move forward with returning to play in 2020 the weekend of October 24th. Super excited that that we're going to be able to see the Big Ten Conference play in 2020. And the Pac-12 really looking to follow suit. I think they're talking about around Halloween time frame at, you know, for the Pac-12. Um, you know, the USC players wrote to Governor Gavin Newsom there in California looking to allow them to play. And, and Gavin Newsom, look, his response was, hey, there aren't any restrictions for you guys to practice and play and similar sentiment there in, in Oregon as well. And so it looks like they're really moving forward uh, and the Pac-12 looking to try to get out onto the football field. Now, look, they haven't been practicing. So I know there are concerns about you know the, the level of play, potential injuries and such, because they haven't really gotten to practice. You know, is October, you know, the Halloween time frame, is that really going to be enough time for them to get up to speed? I think that's going to be the biggest concern right now for the Pac-12 conference. But the fact that they're talking about potentially playing in 2020 has to be exciting for all of these players. Look, you look at a guy like Sean Wade. He he came out just a few days before and said, I'm opting out. I'm going to go ahead and enter the draft because we're not playing in 2020. Now that the Big Big Ten has made their decision, they are going to play in 2020. Sean, Sean Wade's reverse course and said, I'm going back to Ohio State. I want to challenge for a national title. And uh, I think he can you know, in, continue to improve his draft stock. I think he has something to prove. He's got a couple of other corners in there. Caleb Farley of, of Virginia Tech, Patrick Sertan out of Alabama, uh, even uh, Paulson Adebo out of Stanford, uh, depending on what happens there with Pac-12 play. Uh, you know, Sean Wade coming back, I think he can really help himself and help his draft stock solidify himself as potentially the number one corner in the draft. I think his versatility could potentially set himself apart from some of these other guys. Uh, you know, Farley's already announced that he's not uh, not playing in 2020. He's opting out. So there's another chance there for, for Sean Wade to really make an impact. So in honor of the Big Ten making this decision, we're going to go ahead and take a look at some of the Big Ten players. We've already talked about them in Episode 1 and Episode 2. Some of the, the big-name players, obviously Justin Fields uh, is a name that comes to mind. You know, the big receivers, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, Chris Olave, uh, Micah Parsons on defense. We've talked about some of the heavy hitters there in Big Ten play. We want to look at some of the other guys that you have to keep an eye out for uh, as we move into the season next month. So we're going to go ahead. We'll take a look at the Big Ten players. Look, SEC play starts next week. So that's when we're going to take a look at the SEC. And hopefully by then we'll have a better picture of exactly what the target date will be for Pac-12. And then maybe you know in Episode 5 we can start talking about some of the Pac-12 players to watch out for, not named Panay Sewell. Uh, so I, I think with COVID-19, what, what's happened with the season to this point, we had our first uh, relatively full season outside of or full 
slate of games outside of the SEC uh, for, for the teams that are playing in 2020 uh, to that point. Uh, but with COVID, there are, are some teams in the group of five that are actually getting to play on a national stage. And these guys are taking full advantage of it. None more so than Jonathan Adams. Arkansas State's receiver. If you haven't gotten to see this guy play, uh, make sure you tune in uh, and find the find the game film for that game against Kansas State. Playing there in Manhattan, uh, you know, and Jonathan Adams was clearly the best player on the field. 6'3", 209 senior, eight receptions, 99 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, uses his, his size to his advantage, long arms, attacks the football in the air. That's what you really want to see. If he's coming back to the football, if the ball's up in the air, 50-50 ball, don't wait to go get it. Go out there and attack the football. Strong hands, uh, you know, really snatches the football out of the air, uh, uses his body, like I said, to his advantage, shielding the defenders away from the football. Uh, you know, he was a nightmare in the red zone. They just could not stop him in the red zone. The go-ahead touchdown with 38 seconds to play, crossing the face of the corner, uh, you know, ball thrown a little bit high, able to go up, hauling the hauling the pass. Red Wolves end up beating Kansas State in that contest, 35-31. But I think the best play of that game was one that didn't even count. It was a 15-yard uh, slot fade, you know, and, and really kind of to the front pylon. Uh, when Jonathan Adams hits the goal line, he elevates and, and takes off. And when, at his height, his shoulder pad is about, you know, even with the corner's helmet, full extension with his right hand over his head and catches the football right at the nose. And he's coming down, trying to secure it down to the ground. And as he hits the ground, the ball kind of moves in his hand and then he ultimately secures it with one arm. And ultimately it was an incomplete pass. But the fact that this guy, you know, he just elevated, that would have been the catch of the season. Uh, this is a guy, look, if he isn't in your top 10, he is now. Um, and I talked about him in my last podcast about, you know, wanting to see, you know, TJ Carter against Jonathan Adams. And look, he had six catches, you know, 65 yards. Uh, and I, I think TJ Carter did a decent job locking him down at times, really, you know, blanket coverage, really forcing him to, um, you know, to come back for the football and, and try to, to uh, you know, use his size to his advantage. And I thought TJ Carter, I think that, when you look back on it, that game film is definitely going to help TJ uh, in terms of his draft stock overall. Um, but another guy that you know, we've been able to see with some highlight reel catches is Jeremiah Haydell at, at a Texas State, and, and he did it again. Uh, you know, last week, uh, you know, Texas State, uh, you know, they, they had a had a game. They, they they ended up losing losing the contest, but you had Jeremiah Haydell with a, an incredible one-handed Odell Beckham style catch in the back corner of the end zone um, and hauls in hauls in the touchdown pass this week taking on UTSA a wild game uh, you know with the Roadrunners beating the Bobcats 51-48 uh, in double overtime uh, but Jeremiah Haydell had a 96-yard pump you know pump return for a touchdown you saw the suddenness the explosiveness he actually had a second pump return for touchdown that was called back due to a penalty uh, he's somebody, look, you know, he, he's not somebody who I think would really be on everybody's radar. Six foot, 170 pounds, but his ability to play well when, look, there aren't aren't too many games that are on TV. You're on the national stage. You actually are able to, you know, you don't have to look for the game on on. Uh, 
um, you know, ESPN Plus or ESPN3 or something like that. You know, this is a game that was actually showcased and he made the most of, of his, uh, his time there. And he's somebody that now I think should be on NFL radars if he isn't already. Now I mentioned K-State going down to a group of five team, uh, but they weren't the only Big Ten conference or Big 12 conference team to do so. Uh, Kansas also lost to Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, but then you have Iowa State losing to Louisiana. And Louisiana ended up winning that game 31-14, but really the story was Brock Purdy, the 6'1", 212-pound junior. This was a guy a year removed from you know over 3,900 passes, uh, passing yards, completing 65% of his passes. This was the guy who was dynamic and uh, really willed the, the Cyclones to a to a big season. Um, you know, but he was just 16 of, of, of 35. Uh, 145 yards and, and an interception did have seven carries for 35 yards but he just seemed off you know the ball placement wasn't there uh, you know the decision making you know when he was in rhythm he was hitting his receivers uh, getting the ball out quickly but uh, you know there were other times like look he was deep in his own zone he's throwing out of his own end zone uh, you know for trying to force the ball to a receiver on the outside and the problem was when he was missing he was missing to the inside you know throwing where the where the defender was on the on the field and ultimately you know the corner was able to step in front of the receiver step in front of Xavier, uh, Xavier uh, Henderson and ultimately I'm sorry uh, Xavier Hutchinson and ultimately ended up p- picking off the pass and ultimately you had Louisiana going in to score uh, Brock Purdy's gonna have to rebound from that game and I think he will um, he didn't have his, his number one wideout, Charlie Kolar, who would have been a security blanket for him, the 6'6", 257-pound junior. Uh, didn't play due to a lower body injury. He was a game-time decision and ultimately didn't end up making it out there. But look, he doesn't have some of his uh, his big play receivers. Um, you know, And he, he struggled a little bit trying to, to work with you know Xavier Hutchinson. You know, There's some drop passes throwing the football to his, uh, his tight ends, uh, you know, Chase Allen and Dylan Sainer. And uh, even Sean, uh, Sean Shaw, the big receiver on the outside, uh, looks a lot like uh, you know a young Hakeem Butler. Really struggled to get things going there. He's really going to have to work on developing some of the chemistry. That was a big setback, I think, for Brock Purdy because after the top three quarterbacks, there's a huge drop-off. And when I say top three quarterbacks, you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Somewhere in those order, you know that, that Trevor Lawrence is going number one. Fields and Lance are going to be battling for that number two quarterback spot. But then after that, you've got a few guys that are sitting there, including uh, you know Tanner Morgan, who we'll be talking about here during our Big Ten showcase. And Brock Purdy's right there. Sam Ellinger had a big game against UTEP. You know Brock Purdy. This was a way for him to really you know emerge as, hey, I, I'm the guy. You know I'm, I'm out here. You know he had an early game and ultimately he struggled mightily in the game. So we're going to have to really see what he can do in Big 12 play. Can he step his game up? Um, in that game, you know, I, I did want to make sure to mention, you know, Elijah Mitchell, Louisiana. Look, Billy Napier's got got something going there with that program. You know, uh, Mitchell, 5'11", 216 pounds. Uh, the, the senior, they had three running backs a season ago, and they had, you know, in addition to, to Mitchell, you had Trey Regis, the powerful back, the downhill runner, one cut and go. Uh, and then you had Raymond Calais, the real athletic uh, speedster, 
Uh, but Elijah Mitchell could do a little bit of everything. He has tremendous contact balance, excellent hands in the pack passing game, um, has good speed heading downhill. Uh, there's a really nice run that he had where he ran through an arm tackle, spun away from another tackle, uh, ultimately got down to uh, you know to the two yard line. I want to say uh, Trey Regis again, you know, a guy make him run side to side because if you get him going north and south, gets ahead and steam, he's going to run you over. Um, so those are again the guys to really keep an eye out for. Uh, Farag Car uh, Gardner on defense, 6'2", 220 pounds. Uh, you know the senior linebacker. Um, he's someone to be you know to really be worth watching because this was someone who you know he blitz up the middle, shooting through the a gap, chasing down the quarterback. Um, showed his ability to bend around the edge, beat the left tackle, a new left tackle. Um, out there, Julian Good Jones, you know, moved on, um, but he was able to bend. Uh, showed excellent effort chasing the Purdy all the way to the sideline to get his sack. Um, and then, you know, for Iowa State defensively, big number three, Jaquan Bailey, 6'2", 261 pounds. Uh, you know, he, he's a year removed from a season-ending injury. He's back, and, uh, you know, he, he didn't really showcase the, the disruptiveness that you wanted to see play in and play out from Jaquan Bailey. You know, this is a guy with 18 sacks in his career, 31 tackles for loss. But you did see some of that, that ability to, uh, to, to turn the corner. Uh, you saw a bunch of double teams, but you know, he was able to dip that inside shoulder, show that he can bend and, and flatten out. Uh, you know, I think he's going to continue to show that, that he's back from that, that injury. And if he can return to, to form and be 100%, you know, I think you know, the, the Cyclones are really going to need him coming off the edge with that, that pass rush. Um, you know, speaking of pass rush in the Big Big uh, Big 12, I forgot to mention with K-State, Wyatt Huber. This is a kid who has a tremendous motor, uh, a guy who comes around off the edge, another guy who bends very well, very tight turn, surprisingly you know, uh, you know, fluid hips, able to turn the corner in a hurry, flatten out, get to the quarterback for a sack. Uh, he's someone to keep an eye out for in, in Big 12 play as well. Um, but really the game that I think everybody wanted to watch was Clemson Wake Forest uh, that was in Winston Salem and look you know Clemson's big three on offense uh, you know they were definitely the real deal and when I say the big three uh, what I'm talking about are, are the quarterback obviously Tre uh, Trevor Lawrence the running back Travis Etienne and then the left tackle Jackson Carmen you know those are three guys who all have potential to be be first round picks Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, the lock to be the, the number one overall pick. But then you're looking at uh, Travis Etienne becoming really a complete back. That was really what I saw in that game. Um, you know, as a freshman, sophomore, this was someone who was really just seen as a, as a speed back. And he worked hard, getting into the weight room, getting stronger. And now the contact balance is ridiculous. 5.1 yards uh, you know, after contact. Uh, they put that stat up there on ESPN. You know, this is a guy who has excellent hands out of the backfield. Showed that he was able to block as well. Be a pass blocker there for, for Trevor Lawrence. Pick up the blitzes. Um, he's becoming a really a, a complete back, which is scary. And, and when you look at Chuba Hubbard and you look at Najee, Najee Harris, they're bigger backs than Travis Etienne. But I think you know, the thing with Travis Etienne, I think he's a little bit more explosive than either of those guys. And the way that he's continuing to develop his game, I think Travis Etienne, by the end of the season, could end up being the number one running back in this draft class uh, you know Trevor Lawrence look you know this this kid probably the the most hyped quarterback since Andrew Luck and, and for good reason 
You know, I mean, this kid, look, you know, he burst onto the scene in 2018, took over the job from, from Kelly Bryant and hasn't looked back. Uh, you know, 25 and one as a starter coming into the season with with uh, 66 touchdown passes, just 12 interceptions. And man, this guy can make all the throws. You saw the, the zip on 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 the football. Excellent arm strength can make, uh, you know, not only the the. the the tough throws with with that arm strength fitting it into a tight window this was a, a guy with ball placement and anticipation he's throwing his receivers open throwing it to a spot allowing them to uncover he was patient allowing those routes to develop before delivering the football and uh you know the the, the ball placement as i said you know the the ability to throw the football away from the defender where only his receiver can make a play on the football that's really what's special about Trevor Lawrence is, is you know, putting all those those together. But the intangibles, you know, they talked about on the broadcast, you know, the fact that, you know, in June, uh, you know, the Clemson community, you know, a peaceful protest. And then in August, the hashtag, you know, we want to play. You know, this guy's a leader in the community with his team, uh, you know, stepping up. You know, those intangibles, those are things that you can't coach. And he has all of that. And, and to me, Trevor Lawrence has to be the first overall pick. And uh, you know, I, I think we're definitely going to see that happen. Now, Jackson Carmen, you know, 6'5", 335 pound junior, uh, he, he needs to move into my top ten in the offensive tackle rankings. If nothing else, you know, before his his power, his sheer brute strength. This was a guy, you know, the, the way he was throwing defensive ends around, shoving guys up the field, reminded me a lot of Mackay Becton, uh, just in terms of the the power in his hands and the ability to just kind of move guys around. That was something that you don't see from from every offensive tackle. I, I thought you did see a little bit of uh, you know of stiffness in, in the hips a little bit. I thought some of the lateral movement at times, you know, he, he was kind of chasing guys down a little bit. Still kept him in front, using those long arms, extending in, and you know showing a, a powerful punch to really throw a guy off of his game. Um, I, I just worry about the footwork. I worry about going up against some of the the speed rushers. Uh, you know, especially at the next level. I think this is a guy who can end up being a, a really awesome right tackle. I look at, at, at Jackson Carmen. He fits right in there with the conversation with, with Jalen Mayfield, um, you know, the right tackle there for Michigan. And um, I, I think, you know, he's moving up draft boards as we speak. I thought he did pretty well against Boogie Basham, uh, keeping him in front, uh, keeping him away from, from Trevor Lawrence. And look, Boogie Basham, you know, Carlos Basham, 6'5", 285. Uh, you know, I said in the last podcast that he reminded me a little bit more of A.J. Epinesa than Chase Young. Um, but man, am I wrong? When I watch the tape, this guy, for a guy who's 6'5", 285, to move the way that he does, you know, he has pretty fluid hips turning the corner. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that, that I worry about with him, though, is the... Um, can he sustain you know the the explosiveness for an entire season you know he he got off off the you know the season uh, you know a year ago uh, really burst onto the scene was explosive was getting into backfields and he kind of you know kind of tailed off you know much like Wake Forest did you know they, they kind of sputtered down the down the stretch after starting the season 8-0 um, but again you know in this game he was able to showcase some of his speed chasing down Travis Etienne from the backside uh, 19 consecutive games with a tackle for loss so you know that he's going to be disruptive as well uh, Boogie Basham to me I, I want him to solidify his status as the number two pass rusher in this year's draft um, so I, I want to see more consistency out of him um, before we can go ahead and really anoint him as that number two guy. Um, you know, I, I think another game that you really wanted to key in on and watch was Notre Dame Duke. 
Um, you know, Notre Dame, you know, has some has some players, has some guys to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, they, they lost some skill position guys, you know, especially at, at the receiver and tight end. Chase Claypool, Chris Fink, and Cole Komet all moving on to the next level. And, and you saw Ian Book struggle with some accuracy, 19 of 31 for 263 yards, touchdown and an interception. Um, you know, so inconsistent play there but there wasn't any inconsistent play with his left tackle Liam Eikenberg uh, 6'6 302 um, I was very impressed with his athleticism this was a guy you know very easy knee bender uh, you know a guy who look he was going up against uh, Victor uh, Demukaje and and Drew Jordan got a little bit with uh, with with Chris Rumpf as well and you know the shortstop choppy steps in his kick slide, able to mirror his his man, keep him in front. Excellent hands, keeping shooting those hands inside, winning the hand battle. And uh, you know the biggest thing I think for Eichenberg is just showing his ability to to have more power in the running game. I think he's a little bit more of a finesse tackle right now, but he's a much better athlete than I was giving him credit for going into the season. So he's a guy to really watch out for. You know there there's some names that are out there. You know, with guys coming back from injury, Walker Little, Alaric Jackson. Um, this is someone I think, you know, Liam Eikenberg is going to move his name up to some draft boards. Uh, so keep an eye out in ACC play for, for Eikenberg, number 74, the left tackle for Notre Dame. Defensively, for, for the Irish, look, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa does a little bit of everything, man. 6'2", 216 pounds, playing that, that rover position. And this was someone who was showing he could he could rush the passer. He was blitzing coming off the edge, bending around the corner, flattening out in a hurry, getting to the quarterback, got a sack, had a couple of tackles for loss, nine inter, uh, nine tackles on the day as well. Was able to drop into coverage, read the quarterback eye, quarterback's eyes, undercut routes, make plays on the football. Um Owusu Koromoa, again, he's a little undersized, but you, know, you, you look at a guy like Isaiah Simmons and his ability to play all over the field, ended up going number eight overall to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm looking at Owusu Koromoa. I don't think he's going to go top 10, but I wouldn't be surprised if he, you hear his name called in the top 20 in next year's draft just because of his his versatility uh, and his ability to play multiple multiple roles for a defense. Uh, and then Chris Rump at a, you know, for Duke, uh, 6'3", 235, um, you know, the redshirt junior. This was uh, a guy who, you know, when you're talking about speed rush, you know, this is one of the more explosive pass rushers coming off the edge. Um, I, I think he and Gregory Rousseau are probably the most explosive. Uses his hands very well. You'll see him use a, a variety of, of, of moves, whether it's a, a slap and rip, uh, a quick arm over. Um, again, very explosive, looking to try to get up the field. Um, I think where he lost some of his his, uh, his battles with the offensive tackles, he was trying to hand fight a lot. You saw him especially with the right tackle, Robert Hainsey. When he was hand fighting with Hainsey, Hainsey's a big physical dude at right tackle. He's somebody, you know, if you put him in a in a you know a, a zone blocking defense, you know, I'm sorry, zone blocking offense, a guy that can really you know be a, a powerful right tackle uh, in the running game, you know, I think he could be a, a successful tackle at the next level. Um, you know, what Rumpf, when he was winning, it was jumping, you know, in and getting off the ball in a hurry, that quick get off, and then that explosive speed and, and the, the natural athleticism coming off the edge. Uh, that's where he's got to win because if he ends up getting engulfed uh, by the offensive tackle, good luck. He's not getting off that block. But you saw him line up all over the field. He was on, you know, shooting off both edge, both edges as a stand-up rusher. Also lining up, uh, you know, shooting a gaps, 
So they tried to move him all over the place. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch there um, for Duke in ACC play. Um, so, you know, Notre Dame wound up taking out Duke. Uh, final score 27 to 13. Chase Bryce, the quarterback there at Duke, the transfer from Clemson. Had a decent game. Uh, he's someone who I think, working with David Cutcliffe, a guy to keep, you know, again, I keep saying, a guy to keep an eye out for, but he is somebody who I think is going to continue to develop throughout the season. Um, you know, as we continue to move on and continue to look at some of these games, you know, I, I look at Fresno, I'm sorry, Florida State. I see FSU here. For some reason, I said Fresno State. It's actually Florida State. Uh, they lost to Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, Mike Norvell losing the opener. And, and look, it wasn't because of the defense. They lost 16-13. It wasn't because of the defense. You know, I, I thought the defense played very well. They had a couple of stretches there where they gave up a couple of plays. Um, but, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. definitely helped himself. The 5'10", 184 Jr. Um, showed off the, the, the cover cover skills, but I think where he was at his best was in zone coverage. That's where he got both of his picks, really reading the quarterback's eyes. Uh, quarterback would get into trouble, and he allowed the, you know, those eyes to take him to the football. Jumping routes, driving quickly on the football, no wasted movement, picking off the pass, and then he showed an ability to return uh, the interception after the, uh, after the play as well. Um, so I, I think Asante Samuels Jr. absolutely helped himself. Uh, Marvin Williams, the 6'5", 305 defensive tackle, big number 21 for the Seminole defense. Up and down, uh, you know, I, I think even during that game, he's somebody, his motor runs hot and cold. You don't always see the explosiveness. I thought where really where he was at his best was at a five technique. They ran a lot of, of uh, a 34 defense, and when they did that, you know, Marvin Wilson was, was showing a quick get off. He, he showed some power in his hands and ability to turn the corner and then pressure the quarterback. You saw that happen quite a bit. He struggled to get off blocks at times as the, the as a three technique. You know, the pad level was inconsistent. I wasn't always firing off the ball as, as quickly as he should. And, and look, I, I talked about it, you know, ad, ad nauseum, I think, you know, um, you know, in, in last podcast and then last season, potential versus production. And I say that time and time again. I said that about Rashawn Gary when he, you know, before he became the number 12 pick of the Packers. You know, is is he ever going to live up to that billing? And that's the same thing with Marvin Wilson. You saw most of his production. If you go back and take a look at the production, two games is where he had most of his production and where he was making most of those plays behind the line of scrimmage. And then after that, you know, he would disappear at times. You even saw, you know, questioning the conditioning. You know, Florida State ran a lot of uh, a lot of guys out there. He was in a rotation. So you wonder, you know, is that just a matter of, you know, the coaches wanting to play a lot of guys or are they truly worried about, you know, Marvin Wilson's conditioning? We'll have to see as, as the season goes on. But he's a guy who can be absolutely disruptive, has a really quick arm over off the ball, shoots, you know, the A-gap getting into, you know, into the backfield, pressuring the quarterback. Um, you know, this guy's a vocal leader. You know, I think, you know, off the field, this is someone that you definitely want to have on your football team and in your locker room. I just want to see the, you know, consistent effort out on the field, play in and play out. I think that's really where I want to see what, you know, what Marvin Williams can, or I'm sorry, Marvin Wilson can bring to the table. I think he's still the number one defensive tackle at this point, but you know, he's going to have to continue to step up. You know, uh, I'll give you a name that nobody's really going to be talking about right now, uh, but I thought really held his own against Marvin Wilson, and that's Jack DeFour, uh, the left guard out of Georgia Tech, 6'4", 305. 
105. You know, really stayed low with a really wide base, able to anchor, shot his hands inside on Marvin Wilson. When he was able to do that, he was able to stand him up. I think the Ole Miss transfer definitely helped himself. I think as did you know Jalen Camp, big 6'2", 220-pound senior receiver, only played in four games a season ago, uh, but showed you know his ability to move for a guy that big. You know, look, we talked in the broadcast, 30 reps, uh, 225 pounds in the bench press, you know, 20-inch biceps. This guy is huge, man beast, and uh, you know was able to showcase him a little bit of speed as well. Uh, you know, I thought Janarius Robinson showed uh, some nice speed coming off the edge for the for the Seminoles, 6'4", 258, big number 11. You always saw him uh, around the football. Wasn't making a ton of plays, but a guy who just always seemed to be around the football. Both he and Marvin Wilson blocking kicks, you know, able to shoot gaps, get big, long wingspan for this guy that he really used to his advantage. Um, you know, I, I think Janarius Robinson, if he could just make some plays and really get home, um, you know, he's the guy who just seems to be kind of around the football, him, you know, pressure you a little bit. But you really want to see him start making some plays behind the line of scrimmage, and uh, hopefully that'll come here in ACC play. I'll give you one name who's kind of a budding star, and that's number 98 for Georgia Tech, uh, Curtis Ryan's. 6'5", 265, the redshirt sophomore. Uh, look, when, when you know he was smelling blood in the water when uh, the right tackle, uh, Deontay Love Taylor, went down to injury. Chaz Neal, the backup, comes in, and man, he just whooped this poor kid. Uh, you know, showed a, a real quick uh, burst coming off the ball, swat and rip, coming around the edge, then ends up swatting the ball as, as he was bringing down the quarterback for forced fumble, uh, ultimately led to a, a go-ahead uh, field goal there that ultimately ended up winning the game for the Ramblin' Wreck. Um, you know, quarterback was scrambling, and uh, on, on another play it was a fourth and two, fourth and three play. Chased him down backside, able to force the ball free again. Georgia Tech wound up recovering, but it didn't even matter because he tackled him, you know, shy of the first down. He's somebody to keep an eye out for. And look, he's three years removed from from high school, so if he has a huge year, like Gregory Rousseau, who opted out and is entering the draft. Curtis Ryans could be a guy that could rise up draft boards and be one of those guys that we're, that everybody's talking about. And look, you know, I think Jeff Wilson has the, the Yellow Jackets going in the right direction. Mike Norvell, he needs to figure out that offense before Florida State can really make an impact there in ACC play, in my opinion. And then finally, we have to move on to, to Texas. You know, there are a couple of guys here that I really wanted to watch play. Sam Ellinger, obviously the quarterback, 6'3", 225 pounds, always known as a gamer. Look, you know, you, you look at his stats, you know, he, he's number one uh, active, you know, leader for, for FBS in a number of stats, total yards, passing yards, pass touchdown, total touchdowns responsible for, uh, you know, very gritty player. You know, this is a guy who just loves the game, loves football, um, and actually had uh, you know, Jordan Whittington out on, uh, on an end around, and he was the lead blocker for his receiver, trying to help him pick up extra yards. Uh, really made a lot, of, a lot of really good decisions in this game. Uh, you know, very first play of the game, receiver runs a slant, and, and he hits the guy in stride and ultimately allows uh, you know, Joshua Moore to take off for a 78-yard touchdown to begin the game. Texas ends up winning 59-3 over UTEP. Uh, we kind of knew that was going to happen, but you know, you look at what Ellinger did, 25-33, 426 yards, five touchdowns, big key there, no interceptions, uh, no real, you know, the only questionable decision, um, he was trying to escape the pocket, um, and while on the move, happened to see 
Tarek Black coming back for the ball. Ends up throwing the ball to, uh, to, to Black there on the near side, probably about five, six yards out. And uh, the corner jumps the route, nearly picks it off. And had he picked it off, it would have been a pick six. Instead, Tarek Black attacking the football and then ultimately getting down the field. I know Tarek Black, the Michigan transfer, hopefully he's finally healthy and able to make some plays out there. Uh, the big 6'3", 217-pound senior receiver. Uh, Samuel Cosme, lock in there for Sam Ellinger. Look, 6'7", 309. Um, easy mover, knee bender, very athletic. A guy who I thought stayed down and, and was able to keep his man in front of him. I think he he's still my number two offensive tackle. What was interesting, though, was when you watched him in his kick slide, he had a lot of really long looping steps. And you, you didn't have the real quick choppy steps where he was quickly able to mirror back and forth. You know, really long looping steps. Uh, but it didn't really matter in this game. He had some, some pass rushers that he was able to engulf. And I think the big thing for him is even after the defensive end got his hands on him, the hands were so quick to the inside, getting into the, into the chest plate of the defensive end. And then once he locked on, he wasn't letting go and, and he was overpowering those guys at the point of attack. You know, you really want to make sure that, you know, he, he's able, you know, he was able to mirror no problem, you know, and, and able to stand his guys up and really, you know, overpower them. There were a couple of bull rushes where he was able to anchor, but I, I just, I'm, I'm hoping that this is a guy who you know, can stay down and, you know, have that real quick lateral quickness against some of the speed rushers there in in Big 12 play. And uh, so that's something that, that I'm going to keep an eye on. Um, just happen to notice, you know, that, you know, those longer steps that could be potential a potential concern. Uh, you know, Joseph Osai, uh, you know, really, you know, playing with his hand in the dirt, played a lot as a, as a stand-up defensive end there in Chris Ash's new defense, 6'4", 253, um, you know, Led the team in tackles, you know, on the day with eight. You know, had a half tackle for loss in the backfield. Um, you know, he was somebody who was around the football quite a bit, but uh, didn't always end up making plays in in the backfield. You know, he was really looking to do that. Um, but I, I thought he did a great job setting a, a hard edge against the run. Um, did a great job getting off blocks, stack and shed, and uh, drop guys down in, in the open field. Uh, the one thing that I did notice that spin move of his. You know, the, the hips a little stiff, um, you know, because when he, you want to see a real tight spin move. A guy like, you know, Brian Burns was really good at that at Florida State. So quick, so tight with his turn, um, you know, to, to turn the corner and get into the backfield. You know, he was covering a lot of ground with his spin move. And so it was, you know, it seemed almost like a looping, lazy spin move. Uh, ultimately got by his man, but he covered a lot of ground and took a lot of steps to be able to do that. And, you know, frankly, when a quarterback's releasing the football in just a couple of seconds, you're not going to be able to, to use that long spin move at the next level. So I think that's something that he's going to need to clean up. And then finally, one last player to keep an eye on uh, is Josh Thompson, the, the corner. He had a couple of tackles, a uh, half tackle for loss, but also had, a, had an interception. He, he had blanket coverage all game long, stride for stride with the running backs, came downhill and run support. Uh, Osai on one play, strung, a, strung the running back out, able to come downhill, wrap up in the open field. And then the pick, you know, the receiver, you know, really you know, stopped his route up the sideline, receiver threw down the field, comes off of his receiver, read the play, leaping interception, 
he's going to be someone number nine for Texas. He's someone to really keep an eye on. Um, you know, Caden Stearns is the guy that everyone's talking about there at safety, 6'1", 207. Showed off some decent cover skills in, in the game and you know, ability to drive on the football and undercut routes. But uh, don't sleep on, on Josh Thompson uh, there for Texas. So those were the games that I got to watch and, and really break down. And uh, we're going to go ahead and transition to Big Ten play in honor of the fact that, hey, the Big Ten has decided to go ahead and play in 2020. Uh, now, we, we, we're, we talked about Justin Fields in episode one, the big 6'3", 223-pound junior, the transfer from Georgia. Everybody knows about him. Comes to Ohio State, uh, immediately eligible to play. And uh, all he does is, is throw for over 3,200 yards, 41 touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, Heisman finalist, third in the voting behind, obviously, Joe Burrow, the Heisman winner, and Jalen Hurts, the runner-up. Uh, this is a kid who has something to prove. He you know, showed off the leadership skills, you know, saying, hey, look, we want to play. Big Ten players want to play. Uh, you know, a guy that was really taking control of things. And, and look, I just I want to see the arm strength. You know, I, I want to see this guy push the football down the field. You know, I, I think you know people are comparing comparing him to you know Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. You know, they're looking for that next athletic quarterback. And I don't think Justin Fields is quite on their level because they have this elite arm strength. Trevor Lawrence, elite arm strength to go with his athleticism. Um, I don't think Justin Fields is quite there in terms of the arm strength, but you know, one of the things that you can say is the intelligence, his ability to read defenses, make the right decision, and uh, put the ball where his receiver can make a play. Um, so looking forward to watching Ohio State play. And then I mentioned Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota earlier. Let's circle back to him, the 6'2", 215-pound junior. Uh, you know, he doesn't have Tyler, Tyler Johnson. He's graduated, moved on to the NFL, doesn't have Rashad Bateman, who's opted out, the wide receiver, a Big Ten wide receiver of the year, uh, but he does have Chris Ottman Bell, has some other weapons there, uh, but look, he completed 66% of his passes, over 3,200 yards, uh, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions, precision passer, a guy who you know, shows pretty good arm strength, pushing the football down the field, but this was also someone who I, I thought showed excellent touch, the ball placement, that's going to be key at the next level, putting the ball away from the defender where only your receiver can make a play and if you can hit your receiver in stride and allow him to make plays after the catch which is what he did with Bateman time and time again um, you know you're gonna you're gonna see nothing but good things going forward um, you know at the running back position I look at Trey Sermon out of Ohio State, six foot, two hundred sixteen pounds, a transfer from Oklahoma. Um, you know, as a as a sophomore, really burst onto the scene. He and, and Kennedy Brooks were like a two-headed monster. Um, you know, over nine hundred yards on the ground and thirteen touchdowns. Battled injuries in twenty nineteen. Played in just ten games. Uh, just fifty four carries on the year. Really, you know, Kennedy Brooks turned into the workhorse for the Sooners. And you know, Trey Sermon, I I, I want to see the power. I want to see what he can do. For, for Ohio State, you saw what J.K. Dobbins did, uh, you know, and, and I think Trey Sermon can step in, be that workhorse running back um, for the the Buckeyes. Uh, you know, 36 receptions in his career. I think he's going to be asked to catch the football out of the backfield a little bit more for the Buckeyes. He's someone that uh, can make an impact there immediately. Um, Journey Brown out of Penn State, the 5'11", 215-pound junior, uh, a year removed from you know. Averaging 6.9 yards per carry, 890 yards on the year, 12 touchdowns, uh, a home run hitter, has excellent speed, uh, but also someone who has has the ability to uh, you know to run between the tackles as well. Uh, he's somebody who I think has breakout potential for the Nittany Lions. 
And then one other running back to keep an eye on um, there in Big Ten play. He's a junior as well, the 6'2", 231-pounder uh, for the Indiana Hoosiers, Stevie Scott. And he's someone that I'm a big fan of. Um, you know, as a freshman, really burst onto the scene there in Bloomington, uh, Indiana. Um, you know, over 1,100 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns, big, physical, powerful back between the tackles. Had 42, 42 receptions already in his career. Um, you know, averages just 4.9 yards per carry. Um, so he's somebody who you know, is going to grind out and, and grind out a lot of yards. You want to see some more big, explosive plays from him. Um, he's again, he's only a junior, so he could end up coming back. Um, would actually have two years of eligibility after this season because of COVID-19. So it'll be interesting to, to see what, what he does this year in, in Big Ten play, but I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing if he can rebound you know, uh, you know, under 1,000 yards this past season. You really want to see if he can step up and, and take his game to the next level. At the receiver position, we talked about Rashad Bateman. And look, you know, this guy, he's such a savvy route runner. You know, his ability, you know, there was this, uh, a post play against Wisconsin, really slow played it, and, uh, you know, ended up taking off, you know, showed a, showed screen and took off down the field. And, uh, you know, Tanner Morgan hit him in stride, dropped the ball in, you know, in the bucket right out in front of him, um, you know, 30-yard throw, and then he did the rest, you know, with his wheels getting to the end zone. 6'2", 210 pounds, over 1,200 yards receiving, 20.3 yards per reception, 11 touchdowns, big play potential. Uh, right now I've got him as my number two wide receiver behind Jamar Chase. Uh, you know, Rondell Moore out of Purdue is another guy that's going to be on everyone's radar. He's also opted out, 5'9", 180 pounds, burst onto the scene as a true freshman, 114 receptions, again, over 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, um, had a couple of touchdowns uh, carrying the football, and then very explosive as both a kick returner and a punt returner. I think you see the suddenness. He's definitely going to be a slot receiver uh, at the next level. Only played in four games for the Boilermakers in 2019. You know, this guy is a ball of muscle. That's, you know, for as explosive as he is, 600-pound squat, a guy that lifts with the offensive lineman. I wanted to see him come back to, you know, now that the Big Ten has announced that they are going to play, maybe he'll decide to come back. I wanted to see him come back, show everyone that he is 100%, that he's back and ready to go, and, you know, that he's back to his, his explosive self. You know, that's really what I was hoping for. Not going to be able to see that. But a guy who is coming back and playing is Chris Olave out of Ohio State. 6'1", 185. Uh, the, the junior, really the home run hitter. He and Garrett Wilson were the home run hitters for uh, for Justin Fields. You know, And, and I think Ohio State, you know, recently a lot of possession receivers. K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, Benjamin Vickner. They're no longer there. Chris Olave is going to be really a deep threat. You know, Average 17.5 yards per reception, 12 touchdowns. Uh, and really wasn't the feature guy as a sophomore. He's going to be the guy, going to be that main weapon, uh, along with Garrett Wilson for Justin Fields. I've been anticipating a huge year for Chris Olave to solidify himself as a first-round pick. But there are more guys, more receivers there in the Big Ten than, than uh, just these these three. Nico Collins out of Michigan, look, 6'4", 222 pounds. Uh, Josh Gaddis has to find a way to get him the football. Um, only caught the you know caught the pat you know 37 passes a season ago, but averaged 19.7 yards per reception. Uh, big physical, you know, excellent downfield blocker as well. Uh, a red zone nightmare. A guy who can attack the football in the air as well. Uh, you know, I think Nico Collins is one of those guys. You know, you really can't you know knock him for the quarterback play there at Michigan. He's somebody that uh, you know if he can run well, I think he he's definitely going to solidify himself as a day two pick. Uh, Indiana has a good receiver 
Uh, he's someone who I think has a chance to get himself drafted uh, there in the middle of day three, and that's Wap Fillior. Uh, 5'11", 178 pounds, over 1,000 yards on the year in 2019, had 10 touchdowns as well. Uh, I'm sorry, had five touchdowns, had 10 carries uh, for 43 yards. Uh, returns, has you know some skills in the return game as well. Uh, a guy who I think could be a nice slot receiver, be a possession guy. Uh, I think he's more quick than he is fast. Um, but somebody who I think has has some of that that potential to you know, make a roster as a third, fourth, or fifth receiver. Uh, as we continue working down my list here, how about Josh Imitor Bebe? Um, out of Illinois, but USC transfer didn't get much playing time there for the Trojans. 6'2, 215, comes in 19.2 yards per, per reception, nine touchdowns. This is a guy, you know, he's big, he's physical, but he has like a 44 inch vertical leap. So, really, all you have to do is put the ball anywhere near him, he'll climb the ladder and put it in. Um, you know, he's somebody, look, you know, can he stay healthy? He only played in 10 games at SC, he played in just two games battle some injuries. If he can stay healthy, he'll be one of those sleepers in Big Ten play, as is Amir Smith-Marset, the 6'1", 179-pounder out of Iowa. Uh, you know, 18.4 yards per reception last year, but it was the the game against USC, 98-yard kickoff return for touchdown, had a jet sweep for a touchdown, uh, you know, also caught a pass for, for a touchdown as well. The elite speed, you know, he was running by guys, you know, there for the Trojans uh, in the Holiday Bowl, and I think you allow him on the outside to showcase that speed. Another sleeper who has, you know, really the, you know, I think the holiday bowl may have been his coming out party. And I think he's somebody who, you know, you keep feeding them the ball. Hey, you know, Ferentz, you know, Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, keep feeding them the ball. Keep getting that guy the football. And I think good things are going to happen. Um, you know, if we go into, you know, we look at the tight end position, Pat Fryermuth has said, hey, he initially was going to go ahead and uh, opt out of the 2020 season uh, but now that the Big Ten has said that they are coming back he is going to return to Penn State for his uh, junior year 6'5", 256 pounds uh, you know, over 500 yards and 7 touchdowns last season um, but I think he's the most complete tight end yes, Kyle Pitts and Brevin Jordan might be miss up, you know, uh, buffed up wide receivers and guys who can really get down the field at you know, catching the football but I think Pat Firemuth is your, is your best blocker among the elite tight ends and uh, you know, I, I think right now he has a leg up um, in terms of tight ends that have the potential to uh, to be drafted um, on day one. Um, you know, there are a couple of other guys there at the tight end position who could be potential blockers. Look, Richard Rodgers got got drafted at, at a at a Cal going to to the Packers. You know, he's he's been in the league a number of years. And uh, he was known for his blocking ability more than anything else. Nick Eubanks out of Michigan, 6'5", 256 pounds. Uh, Rashad Berry, 6'6", 252 pounds. Neither of these guys you know, catch a ton of, ton of footballs. Eubanks, just 35 receptions in his career, had 25 a season ago. He may be called upon to, to be more of a receiving threat. Rashad Berry started his uh, you know, a career as a tight end, moved to defensive end as a redshirt freshman, came back to tight end, just 17 receptions in his career. Two guys who are big, they're physical, uh, decent blockers. If they can have good years, at least blocking the, you know, being blockers and showing that they have some, some decent hands, um, I think they'll definitely be uh, day three picks um, and end up locking themselves up as, uh, as draft picks as, as we move along. 
but uh, you know they have to show that they can catch the football uh, you know, down the field a little bit as well uh, because teams are looking for tight ends that can do a little bit of everything. Um, if you're limited as, as, a, as a receiver, mostly a blocker, I think those are the guys that are going to end up slipping a little bit further into the draft. So now we jump into the trenches. I mentioned Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. Just started 13 games in his career, 6'5", 320 pounds. He's opted out. He's entering the draft. Um, you know, I thought there were times where he looked looked solid. You know, against the guys like Chase Young. Um, other times where he got whooped by speed. Um, I, I think he needs to stay on the right side, showcase his power in the running game. Uh, but I worry a little bit about him dealing with uh, with speed rushers. Same with Alaric Jackson. You know, out of Iowa. Uh, you know, a big 6'5 uh, offensive lineman. Uh, he went down to injury. Tri uh, Tristan Wirfs had to move over to the left side. And then when Jackson came back and returned, uh, he was a different guy. You know, he was a step slow. He was struggling with the speed rushers. He has to show that he's 100% back from that injury uh, in order for him to really move up draft boards. Uh, I'll give you two guys out of, out of Minnesota to keep an eye out for as well. Sam Schluter, uh, the veteran left tackle. You know, not... Not the, the best athlete in the world, but this is a guy, I think he's a technician. You know, he was keeping Tanner Morgan upright, um, held his own against some of the speed rushers, you know, anchors well against the against the, the run, uh, uh, against the bull rushers, and then in the running game, generated some movement, able to block for, for guys like, uh, you know, uh, you know, like Mohammed Ibrahim and company. Uh, and so I, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what the Golden Gophers can do with these guys blocking. He and Daniel Fa'alele, the junior, 6'9", 400 pounds. You have to catch a cab just to get around this guy. Uh, surprising feat for a guy that big. You, know, you worry about speed rushers, but you know, when you have a guy that's that enormous, um, you know, people knocked Orlando Brown Jr. for his 40 time, but look, he's a starter at the next level. You know, and, and you look at a guy like Phil Lodeholt, who's just a huge mammoth man coming out of Oklahoma, started for a decade for, for the Minnesota Vikings. Fa'alele, you know, I think he'll be a developmental prospect, but somebody to keep an eye out for. He's a junior, so he has a chance to end up returning to, to Minnesota when it's all said and done as well. Uh, one tackle who I think is going to end up kicking inside, uh, most likely to center. I think he, if he goes to center, he'll be the number one center taken, uh, and that's Rashawn Slater. They have him slated at 6'4", 308. He's actually probably about 6'3". Uh, shorter arms, uh, you know, 37 starts, very athletic. Uh, a guy who I thought you know really held his own against Chase Young um, and some of the other elite pass rushers there in the Big Ten. Uh, veteran player, you know, technician, but you know, underrated athleticism. I think he's somebody. If you kick him inside to, to guard, you know, he's in the conversation there with Wyatt Davis, Trey Smith, Elijah Vera Tucker. But I, I think if he moves to center, I think he ends up becoming the most athletic center and uh, has an outside shot at round number one. Uh, looking at the guard position, you got you know, Wyatt Davis has opted out uh, of the draft. You know, I think when you look at this group, it's going to be him and Wy uh, Trey Smith really battling it out to be that number one guard taken. The junior there, 6'4", 320 pounds, uh, started every game there in his career for Ohio State. Big, physical, uh, pretty athletic for, for a guard. He has a shot as well to be a, a first rounder. Uh, and then... Uh, for Minnesota, they have Blaze Andrews. He's only a junior, but I, I thought it was worth mentioning Andrews uh, just because you know he, he's that that third guy that's really going to be blocking up front for Tanner Morgan, and that's where I still think Tanner Morgan is going to have a big year for the Golden Gophers. He's got a lot of veteran offensive linemen in front of him uh, that are going to keep him upright in Big Ten play. 
So if we, you know, the, the center position, you've got Josh Myers. He, he kind of took on a leadership role, you know, outspoken about playing this season. Um, you know, he's uh, another guy who's, who started, I believe, every game in his career. Uh, 6'5", 312-pound junior. Uh, then Michael Manette uh, out of Penn State, 6'4", 302, pretty athletic, decent-sized arms for a center. Uh, and then Doug Kramer out of Illinois, 6'2", 300, uh, you know, been a mainstay there for the Illini. Um, so those are the offensive players to keep an eye out for in Big Ten play. Now we're going to go ahead and move over to the defensive side of the football real quick. And, uh, you know, Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson there uh, really holding things down on the defensive front there for Don Brown, the defensive coordinator. Quiddy Pay, 6'4", 277. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, 6'6", 278. You know, Quiddy Pay, uh, you know, I think both of these guys can end up playing, you know, really in a number of positions. You know, I think Aiden Hutchinson ultimately going to be a 3-4 uh, defensive end. I think he'll be a five technique. Reminds me a lot of Aaron Smith, um, you know, who played a, a number of years there for the Steelers. Quiddy Pay, I think he, you know, can show some athleticism to potentially be a, an outside linebacker in a 34 defense. But I think he, if he puts his hand in the dirt in a 4-3, coming off the edge, you know, he has some pass rush ability. Really want to see these guys elevate their games. Pay is a senior, so he'll become, you know, has a has the opportunity to come out after the 2020 season. Could opt to come back for one more year since they, they have that eligibility uh, that's given back to him due to COVID-19. Aiden Hutchinson, only a junior, um, but a big year out of him. He may decide that he wants to come out. I think he has a chance to end up being a day two pick if he lives up to his potential, uses that length to his advantage, um, you know, and that, that motor. You know, 69 tackles uh, on the year for a defensive end um, showcases ability to, to get after the football. Um, you know, two other guys at the defensive end position, I think those guys are probably the, the two elites that are uh, draft eligible. Um, but you look at a couple of other guys to, to really be on the out uh, on the lookout for Chauncey Golston, the 6'5", 270-pound uh, Iowa Hawkeye, was uh, AJ Epinesa's running mate. You know, 18 and a half tackles for loss, makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage, shows some explosiveness, five pass breakups. You know, I think that's one of the things that you see at a at a Golston is his ability to to read the quarterback's eyes, read the play, get his hands up into the throwing lane. And he has two interceptions on his career as well, so he knows what to do when he's around the football. And and uh, the other guy to, to make mention of is uh, a guy who has tremendous size, and that's you know, Isaiah Loudermill. He's battered, battled some injuries, hasn't been overly productive. You know, he's 6'7", 293 pounds. There could be a, 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 just a, a monster. He just hasn't lived up to that billing yet. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator there for the Badgers, really going to have to see what he can do to get more out of this guy. Uh, you know, defensive tackle, you know, Bob Diaco bringing a 34 defense there to to Purdue, and you know he's getting Lorenzo Neal back. He battled that knee injury in 20 in, in 2019. Uh, the 6'3", 325 pound uh, nose tackle, you know, going to be that guy in the middle for Purdue. Um, you know, a guy who can eat up blockers, you know, and, but he has some of that explosiveness to shoot into the backfield. Uh, you know, he's just played, you know, the, the issue is, is the injuries. You know, in, in his four years there, he's only played in 25 games total. Um, so that's really, the, I think, the biggest concern more than anything else is his health. That's going to be the biggest red flag. Can he stay healthy for an entire season? Uh, glad that he's coming back. You know, just hope that he can be back to 100%. 
Linebacker, we've already talked about Micah Parsons. I love this guy. I think he has the potential to be not only a top 10 pick, but even a top five pick. 6'3, 245, the junior. Uh, you know, look, you know, he makes play, you know, he's, he's a volume tackler, plays sideline to sideline, can shoot it in the backfield, make plays behind the line of scrimmage, can rush the quarterback, can drop into coverage and make plays on the football. Guy can do a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, he's opted out. He's not going to be playing in 2020. And, you know, I, I think the game film, you know, in, uh, in 2019 really speaks for itself. I don't think he's one of those players that I don't think needs to play and, and can still have a, a big, uh, big draft uh, draft night. You know, potentially, like I said, you know, it could be a Devin White type that ends up going in the top five. So if we look at some of the other linebackers, you know, I think Shaka Tony out of Penn State ha- is poised for a breakout year. Uh, you know, 6'3", 236 pounds. You know, and you know, Yitro Gross Matos, you know, got a lot of the hype and rightfully so. Uh, taken, uh, in, you know, on day two uh, by the Carolina Panthers. Uh, but Chaka Tony was was the speed rusher. You know, he was the guy that was coming off the edge, you know, bending, coming around the corner. And, and even when he wasn't making plays on the quarterback, has 15 sacks in his career. But you know, he was disruptive. He was forcing quarterbacks off their mark, throwing off the timing, you know, forcing quarterbacks to step up and, and, and flee the pocket. Shaka Tony, if he has a big year, I think he can solidify his status as a day two pick. You know, it's not a huge year for pass rushers, uh, so I, I think Shaka Tony has that that ability to, to move up some draft boards quickly. Uh, Cam McGrone uh, burst onto the scene as a, as a sophomore in 2019, 6'1", 232 pounds. You know, a guy who plays sideline to sideline, did only play in 11 games, battled a little bit of those in, the injury bug, hoping to have a full season. Uh, but look, you know, he's he's one of those guys. You know, when you were watching, trying to watch other guys play on that team, he was the guy that continued to flash because, you know, he, he was making plays. You know, and, and I think he was making plays consistently, nine tackles for loss, made plays behind the line of scrimmage. And that sideline to sideline ability, is, I think, is really appealing. Uh, I just want to make sure that he has, you know, plays consistently and stays healthy throughout the season. Uh, Antoine Simmons. Michigan State, six foot, two hundred sixteen pounds, undersized linebacker, but a guy you know. I think that athleticism is really what jumps off the charge when you watch him play. Ninety tackles a season ago, um, you know, fifteen tackles for loss. Got after the quarterback a little bit. Thirteen. Uh, I'm sorry, three and a half sacks. Drops into coverage, but I think the instincts—that's really what you saw. The fifteen tackles for loss. He's shooting, shooting gaps, uh, getting into the backfield, taking the right angles, understanding where the running back you know is 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 going understand really reading and reacting reading what the offensive linemen are doing coming off you know the, the the blocks especially when an offensive lineman is pulling shooting off the uh, off the hip and getting into the backfield before the running back can get going and uh, you know I, I think Antoine Simmons is one of those guys people aren't really talking about but uh, you know the Spartans he's going to be the leader of that defense he has to be um, you know, and a guy who can make plays. He's a big playmaker there, big time for uh, for Sparty. Um, I'm going to give you a name. You know, we're going to talk to talk about some of these other bigger names, but a, a name to watch out for uh, for Purdue. Derek Barnes, 6'1", 245 pounds. Uh, first two seasons there for the Boilermakers. Uh, you know, he, he was a linebacker. Uh, had 92 tackles with with eight tackles for loss. 
uh, and a handful of sacks there in 2018 as a sophomore. As a junior, moves to the defensive end, puts his hand in the, in the dirt, still has 63 tackles, showing that he can be, still be very active um, as, a, as a defensive end, but starts rushing the passer, has seven and a half sacks, 11 tackles for loss. He's moving back to inside linebacker now. And, um, you know, I think that's ultimately where his home's going to be at the next level. If he can show, you know, really return to that form, showcase that, that ability to make, make plays sideline to sideline, drop into coverage a little bit, showcase that ability to rush the pass or some of those pass rush moves that he was developing as a junior. I think Derek Barnes has a chance to, to make a roster, you know, be a late day three pick, uh, especially if he can be productive getting after the quarterback. Uh, you know, he'll be a name to, to watch uh, as we move forward in, uh, in 2020. Now, obviously, uh, you know, we we have to talk about you know the Penn State duo of uh, Pete Werner and you know I'm sorry trio really. Uh, Pete Werner and Tuff Borland were starters a season ago. Baron Browning is going to be the, uh, the the guy that's that's coming in and replacing Malik Harrison. Werner is athletic. You know, he's very instinctive, can drop into coverage, 12 pass breakups in his career to go along with 13 tackles for loss. You know, a, a very heady player, um, you know, and, and surprising athleticism for a guy his size, 6'3", 239. Um, you know, Tough Borland is going to be your thumper in the middle, 6'1", 232 pounds. Um, you know, a guy who, who likes to make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I thought he had kind of a down year in, in 2019. Uh, 2018 as a sophomore really was, was uh, a guy that was making a name for himself hoping to really return to that form. And then Baron Browning, I think he's the best of the bunch, really. 6'3", 248, was more of a reserve role. One of those guys that you know, was first coming out onto the field uh, you know, in terms of, of the reserves. 11 tackles for loss, five sacks in that reserve role. 43 tackles as well. Um, just really a smart player. You know, he was somebody that showed the ability to, to move sideline to sideline, could, could set the edge a little bit against the run, could drop into coverage and make some plays. Um, you know, had the athleticism to chase down the ball carrier. You know, I thought he had a little bit better athleticism than, than Malik Harrison, though Harrison, I think, had better instincts. Uh, but Baron Browning, somebody that I think can move into day two consideration if he has a big year. I mean, look, you know, it's going to be his first full season starting there for the Buckeyes so you know I think that'll be a little bit cause for concern but if he can put everything together and uh, you know be that guy that uh, you know Malik Harrison was for the Buckeyes uh, I think you can see Baron Browning potentially being that day two pick so we talked about a trio uh, there in Columbus how about we move uh, to Evanston Illinois uh, and talk about a couple of Northwestern Wildcats uh, the first one, obviously, when you think of, of Northwestern, you have to think of Patty Fisher, 6'4", 246. Uh, you know, came into the 2019 season uh, on a lot of people's uh, mock drafts, had him at the end of round number one, because he had back-to-back 100 tackle seasons. Um, you know, and 2019 was kind of a, the, the season to forget for, for the Wildcats. Uh, still, you know, with, with 315 tackles in his career, 20 tackles for loss, has eight pass breakups, and really, you know, that nose for the football. Not only the eight pass breakups, but nine forced fumbles in his career. Uh, you know, I think Patty Fisher needs to, you know, he, he looked a little limited with his athleticism. You know, seemed to be a little bit of a step slow, some stiffness in coverage at times. Uh, you know, but, you know, definitely one of those volume tacklers, very intelligent. I think, you know, that those smarts really allow him to take himself to the football, you know, and understand reading and you know, reading defenses quickly. 
you know, I just I want him to show a little bit more from an athleticism standpoint if he's going to you know, really make it with with some of these upper echelon inside linebackers. You know, and uh, you know, if he was the, uh, the 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 leader of that defense, I think Blake Gallagher, uh, you know, among the leaders there, you know, and not only tackles but but in interceptions, he had three interceptions on the year, six one, two hundred thirty five pounds, a year removed from you know one hundred twenty seven tackle season, had seven and a half tackles for loss, athletic linebacker. I think he's another guy that's looking to to rebound and have a big year there for the Wildcats as well. Uh, you know, and when you're talking about guys, you know, making plays in Big Ten play, uh, how about Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin? You know, the, the, the junior has to replace the production of, uh, of Zach Bond and Chris Orr, who combined for 32 and a half tackles for loss and 24 sacks in 2019. Jack Sanborn himself, though, look, man, you know, 80 tackles on the year, very active um, at the inside linebacker position, uh, nine tackles for loss, five and a half sacks made a name for himself and ultimately solidified himself as a starter. Now he's looked at as the guy. He and Noah Burks are going to be the, the, the guys there at the linebacker position to really take things to the next level. You know, he'll probably come back for one more year there for the Badgers. I think that would probably, you know, uh, because of some of the talent on the top end of this, this draft at uh, the linebacker position, I think Sam Boyne would you know, be in his best interest to return for one more year. But I think he's going to be somebody to uh, continue to watch how he progresses and develops because I think he's going to be one of those sleepers there um, in the Big Ten. And one final name in uh, at the linebacker position is a, a transfer there to Illinois. Uh, Milo Eiflery, 6'1", 225 pounds, transferred from Washington in 2017. Um, you know, and really had one year in 2019 there at Illinois. Um, you know, in those 13 games, had 30, 63 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, two sacks. He's the leader of that defense now, and uh, you know that's going to be a guy that you, know, you want to see what he can do as a senior, as an inside linebacker. You know, uh, you know what can Milo Eifler bring to the table? Uh, you know, that's you know if Lovey Smith is going to want to want to have you know return to a, a bowl game or bowl status. I really don't know what's going to happen with the bowl games in, in 2020. Um, you know, let's be honest. You know, there may not be a bowl season, but you know if he wants to at least be drought, you know, bowl eligible, uh, I think he's going to have to have a big year out of Milo Eifler uh, there at, uh, at linebacker. So let's see, what else do we have here? We're moving on to the cornerback position. When you look at the corners, obviously we talked about Sean Wade and where he's at um, with his ability, um, but there are three, let's see, I actually have four other corners that I, I want to make sure that we talk about. The first is going to be Tarek Castro-Fields. Now look, you had Amani Arawarie, you had John Reed, and now you have Tarek Castro-Fields. He's going to be the guy there in the secondary, six foot, 195 pounds. I think he has a chance to be a, a third-round pick when it's all said and done. Excellent ball skills, 18 pass breakups in his career, uh, had a couple of picks last season. Uh, instinctive corner, cover corner, likes to get physical at times, comes downhill, makes plays uh, in the running game, 10 tackles for loss in his career as well. I think he's going to be the leader of that, that secondary uh, for the Nittany Lions if they're going to make a run at Ohio State. Uh, and some of the teams at the top, uh, Castro Fields is going to have to lock down Chris Olave. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch, seeing that matchup uh, when uh, when they play the Buckeyes. Uh, Ambry Thomas out of Michigan, he's decided to opt out. Six foot, one eighty two. Um, you know, and, and Ambry Thomas, you know, look, he, he's a he's a solid corner, um, but I, I don't see him 
being, you know, among, I don't, frankly, I don't have him in my top 10 uh, at the corner position. And uh, I don't know if he's going to come back. He's actually said that he's going to enter the draft. And, you know, if he is ultimately setting himself up for the draft, I, I don't see him being a day two pick. I think he'll ultimately be, be a day three guy. And he's just like the, the last couple of Michigan corners that we've had. Levert Hill, David Long, very handsy corners, want to grab you a lot. Um, you know, so that's really the big worry that I have. You know, a guy that, look, he had three interceptions a season ago, uh, only three pass breakups. You know, they're, I think they're trying to throw the opposite side, uh, throwing away from him, throwing after Levert Hill a little bit. Um, I, I'm still not sold on, on him. Uh, DiCaprio Boodle, though, you know, not only does he have the best name, but he has a chance to be a, a slot corner at the next level, uh, be your nickel potentially. 5'10, 190 pounds. Uh, you know, hasn't picked off a pass in his career just yet, but 21 pass breakups. You know, I think you really want to see him make some plays on the football and you know, actually get there. And let's really change, you know, flip the the field for the Cornhuskers and, and get them into uh, get them the football back you know it's one thing to to knock a football away it's another thing to actually pick off the pass and, and allow the offense to get back out onto the football field and one final guy another uh, you know undersized corner 510 200 pounds uh, but could be a nickel could be that that slot corner is 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 uh, Coney Durr out of Minnesota uh, led the the Golden Gophers with 10 pass breakups, uh, had a pick six, you know, 70 returned to 72 yards for a touchdown. Uh, Coney Durr just continues to get better and better, which is why I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do in uh, in 2020. And a couple of safeties to be on the lookout for. Uh, how about J.R. Pace, an all big Big Ten safety there for Northwestern, 6'1", 205. The guy can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, it has the the range, um, you know, to, to make plays sideline to sideline. Also uh, instinctive in coverage and making plays over the top. Seven interceptions in his career to go along with 12 pass breakups. I think he's somebody who's poised for a big year there for Northwestern. Uh, hopefully, you know, they're you know the the offense. Will uh, will help them out a little bit, and not keep them on the field, you know, play after play. Uh, Lamont Wade out of Penn State. He and Tarek Castro Fields are going to be the leaders of that defense. Just 5'9", 188 pounds. He's going to have to show that you know he plays bigger than that size. Uh, Brad Hawkins, uh, you know, at Michigan. You know, especially with Ambry Thomas leaving, um, you know, and opting out, you know, the 6'1", 218-pounder hasn't been much of a factor in the secondary. He's going to have to big have have a big year if he wants to get drafted. Um, I'll give you a junior to really watch out for, another guy for Sparty, and that's Xavier Henderson, 6'1", 203. Um, every time you watched uh, Michigan State play, you know, in that secondary, number three was flashing. Uh, finished with 83 tackles, a couple of interceptions, five pass breakups. You know, an instinctive player, a guy who likes to play in the box a little bit, can drop into coverage some. Uh, I think Mel Tucker is going to rely on him to be that leader uh, in his secondary. And one final name to talk about, the strong safety there for Minnesota, Jordan Howden, uh, 5'11", 200 pounds. He's going to be the thumper, uh, you know, a guy that's, that's uh, going to lay the lumber there, if you will, for, for the Golden Gophers uh, on the back end of their defense. So those are the players that uh, hopefully will help you kind of start getting things going, getting those juices flowing uh, when Big Ten play opens up. 
October 24th. That's really the date that they're shooting for right now. Hopefully we'll stay on schedule for that to happen. Uh, when we look at week three of the college football season, uh, you know, Oklahoma State gets their first game, the number 11 ranked uh, you know, Cowboys in Boom Pickens Stadium, taking on the Tulsa Hurricane, Golden Hurricane. And you're going to see Spencer Sanders, the, the fabulous sophomore quarterback, but you'll get to see Chuba Hubbard for the first time. Uh, the explosive 2,000 yard running back, the speed there um, is evident with him. And then Tylen Wallace, you know, uh, in 2018 was a, a Blitnikoff Award finalist, has a leg injury in 2019. He's back to really showcase his skills and get his name back into the upper echelon of those receivers. Uh, Pittsburgh taking on Syracuse, number 25 ranked Pitt, Pitt Panthers. Kenny Pickett and company on offense, and then defensively, obviously, I, you, know, you know I love you know, Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver, Paris Ford at safety. Uh, you know, I, I think you know Pittsburgh ends up winning that game. Baylor versus Houston is going to be interesting. Um, you know, there in uh, McLean Stadium in Waco, uh, Notre Dame taking on South Florida. South Florida has a couple of corners in KJ Sales and Mike Hampton. Want to see what they can do against Ian Book. Uh, but I think Notre Dame gets it done there. Uh, let's see, Georgia Tech coming home, Bobby Dodd Stadium. You know Atlanta's going to be rocking for for uh, for the Yellow Jackets. They're taking on UCF, and uh, you know Curtis Ryan's. If he can have another big game, especially against the number 14th ranked uh, Golden Knights, you know, I think he's really going to put his name on the map and really you know have people watching for him. Uh, a game that's going to be you know that. I think it's actually going to be quite interesting. It's going to be on CBS um, in, in Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, Marshall and Appalachian State, 23rd ranked uh, Mountaineers going to Marshall. Uh, you know, Marshall has Brendan Knox, the running back, you know, a guy who I, I want to see take the next step. You know, the Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, for Appalachian State, watch Thomas Hennigan, the receiver. I think he's one of those possession receivers, a guy that you know quarterbacks at the next level will fall in love with. Uh, I think the game of the day, though, is going to be Miami going to Louisville, um, seeing Mikhail Cunningham and company there for the Cardinal. Scott Satterfield, the head coach, taking on Miami. Um, you know what? Uh, you know what, what's going to be in store there? The number 17th ranked Hurricanes taking on Louisville there in Cardinal Stadium. Uh, Miami ultimately pulled away from UAB uh, in, in the second half. The Eric King running the offense for for the Hurricane. Um, you know, I, I think the U, I think Manny Diaz and company end up finding a way to get the job done. Um, but we'll see see how that all plays out. So those are some of the games I, I think you know that uh, you know you'll want to keep an eye out for. Again, no SEC play in uh, uh, this weekend. They're going to start their season twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, on on the twenty sixth, Alabama going to Columbia, Missouri, Foro Field. Um, you know, get to see you know Mac Jones at quarterback, Najee Harris, you know, running the football, the two fabulous receivers, Jalen Waddle and uh, Devontae Smith. You know, those will be guys that we'll be talking about. Obviously, you know, in Missouri, they've got they've got Nick Bolton at linebacker. I think a guy that can make plays at the next level. I think he'll be someone that we'll be talking about probably in the fourth round range. But a guy that look, you know, he he plays. Uh, you know, he's a volume tackler, a guy that makes plays not only behind the line of scrimmage, he can drop into coverage a little bit. Really a three-down linebacker there for the Tigers. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about the SEC and some of the players to watch for uh, next week. Uh, so I think we can go ahead and call this podcast a wrap for now. And uh, we'll go ahead next week. We'll do this all over again. We're ready for the draft.com. This has been... 
the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Hope you've enjoyed the content. Stay along for the ride. It's going to be a fun one here in 2020. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Socially distance. And uh, we'll do it all again next week. Take care, everyone. And I am out of here.